It's the Ride All Night Podcast, with stories of friends and family of the band From Good Homes, started during the pandemic of 2020 and continuing until we're done. Thank you, we're trying some new things here. Okay, here it comes. We've got a million people to thank. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope everyone is doing well, surviving, thriving. The pandemic's not over, people. Seems to be raging through some U.S. states. I believe there were 55,000 new cases yesterday. Come on now. Seems like some just want to wish it away. You know, something at this scale, enormous in nature, epic in in history, is really hard to put your head around. But making up a reality that says it's not true, that conflicts with scientific facts or some conspiracy crap is just not okay. I understand. I understand it's difficult to accept such a profound event, but come on, y'all. This is real. Put on a mask. Anyway, we gather here to celebrate on the Ride All Night podcast, celebrate the music of From Good Homes, and celebrate good times, past, present, and future. And our guest today is John Cameron. This interview was recorded on April 23rd, 2020, and it was really fun talking to John and getting to know him a little bit better. He's a great guy. He loves music. Tune into his show. Tapestry every Friday from 3 o'clock to 7 p.m. Eastern on Homegrown Radio. That's homegrownradionj.org. And uh, please stay in touch. Let me know your thoughts, thoughts about the show. Let me know how you're doing, how everybody's uh, getting by these days. And, um, and stay tuned for info on the release of the Ride All Night feature film about From Good Homes, releasing at the end of the summer. Thanks for listening. I'm so psyched too, man, because I know you just a little. I mean, we've probably bumped, you know, across paths a lot, but most of the late, lately was at Waterloo. Waterloo, right. I was in a full panic. I was, we had multiple cameras going. And I was down to the end of the show, and I ran. I was running out of memory. If I could just tell you in that moment, because I had also just realized, did you ever record onto the little mini? You know, like you gave me a flash drive, right? whatever. Yeah. That, you know the minis, right? Right. I had a. I had some of those going I, during the break. I went up on the drum riser and I laid out a bunch of all these little recording. I was switching them over, right? And I left them there uh, on the drum riser. <laughs> Then I went back to the soundboard and realized I was running out of memory on my camera. And then I realized I had left all those up there. So it was the most, one of the most panic moment ever. And you graciously offered me some memory space. You, you were there taping. So yes, that was the time we really got acquainted, but uh, I'm really psyched to get to know you. So why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us your name, tell us where you are, and then talk a little bit about what's going on with all of us right now. Oh, uh, uh, well, my name is John Cameron, and uh, right now I'm in the 
basement studio that I share with my, my girlfriend, Barbara. Um, we live in Elmwood Park, New Jersey now, which is only about two miles from where I grew up in Fairlawn. Although uh, I spent about uh, 20 years living in Northwest New Jersey um, in uh, Hampton Township, which is just over the Stillwater border. So uh, I got to know uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the crowd of uh, FGH and later on Railroad Earth and all the other groups that came before Railroad, the Kings in the Skies and Blue Sparks from Hell and the Bobby Sivarth combo and 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 uh, it's been uh, it's it's it, it turned into you know a, a family you know I, and it's what I joined. Um, I moved out to Northwest New Jersey in 1994. I enjoyed taping shows, and uh, uh, for the past 15 years, I've been part of uh, HomegrownRadio.org, which was founded by um, Todd's uh, Todd Schaefer's de facto brother-in-law, uh, Todd Mills. We do a show here every Friday, and this is how uh, we kick our weekend off. How long has Homegrown Radio been going on? Tell me a little bit about that. It started in 2004, and it grew out of 15 DJs from the old uh, NTI station in Hackettstown. Mostly, it's, it was a volunteer station, very few employees. It had a lot of, lot of maybe like 30 DJs, and everyone would do one weekly show. Around 2002, I believe, they, they started to phase into a um, like NPR station. So they kind of phased out a lot of the volunteer DJs. So Todd decided, I saw him at uh, Knowlton Riverfest, um, it was August of 2004. And he goes, I'm thinking about starting an internet station. And I said, okay, I'm, a, I'm on, <laughs> just like that. And within six weeks, he had found a place and with all his carpentry skills, built a, a viable studio. And we've been, uh, we've been doing it for 15 years now. That's so cool. That's a long time. So you guys were early kind of pioneers of figuring out all this internet, uh, internet interface. I guess. It was all uh, like a baptism by fire thing. What we all did share was this great love of music and very eclectic group of just uh, diehard music lovers. We have a DJ from Spain, Oscar, who does a, a Grateful Dead show, although he calls it a, a Station Terrapin. And we've had a, a Scottish show from a guy from uh, Canada. And we get listeners from all around the world. And um, it's, it's a real cool feeling. It's a nice thing to be a part of. Well, let's start. Um, I've been having some of these chats, and it's fun to, to go back and stroll down memory lane. But before we do that, let's talk about the situation we're all sharing here. So, so it's April 23rd, 2020, amongst mm -hmm. in the uh, coronavirus pandemic. How, how's, what's going on down here in your world? What do you do day to day, and how uh, has it affected your life? Well... Where I live in, um, in Bergen County, it's one of the hot spots. It had the most cases. Of course, Bergen County is the most populous um, county in New Jersey, and it also borders on New York City. So things have been pretty tense in, at, at times. 
me and Barbara both are considered essential workers. She works in the uh, the healthcare industry, and I work uh, I work for UPS. It's been pretty crazy. I was amazed how much volume we we do nowadays because of uh, the fact that so many retail stores are closed and uh, I didn't think it would be this bad because I knew people would do a lot of ordering you know through the through the internet but I thought it would also be um, mitigated by the fact that so many businesses are closed and so much of our business yeah. is business to business right. and I also was you know, concerned, could the supply chain keep up with the the demand? And apparently it has, because I've been with the company 40 years, and the past month has been, for per me personally, um, I work in plant engineering, so I work in the facilities trying to make sure it's a safe facility. And it's been the busiest of my life. Did it start quickly? Did it like quickly start, like hit you and, and change things? And how long has it been? It sort sort of. Um, the, the third week of March, I actually had a vacation week, and that's when the shutdown, you know, went into like full effect. When I went back to work, I think it was the twenty uh, second of March. Then things were things were pretty crazy then. We donned the full full protective gear. I spent my whole day with the uh, now famous N95 mask and goggles and safety gloves, and do our best to to try and stay safe in a really challenging you know situation. Yeah. So that's your day to day now. Fully, you're fully equipped. You're you're geared up with mask and goggles and gloves. Yeah. Yep. Yep, and, and uh, it's been for ten hours a ten hours a day. You know, it's not going to last forever, and uh, we're going to get through it. Just it just weighs on you. You know, just seeing these numbers and realizing that it's not just numbers. These are all stories. These are all you know big heartaches, losses, and you know, for every person we lose, there's more than ten people who are who've suffered through it, some with minor symptoms, and even the people that survive being on a vent for, you know, a week or so, the recovery is so, so long. So far, blessed I haven't shown any any signs, uh, although, you know, I realize I'm in a, a situation where, yes, it can be either transmitted to me or I could transmit it to others. So that protective gear that I wear is not all to protect myself it's also to protect the people around me but we're positive and still hopeful that we'll get through this hopefully we'll come out stronger and hopefully the divisiveness that we see every day won't be so prevalent and you know we could hopefully find some common ground yeah. Yeah. it seems like we're getting to a point where we need common ground i mean you should have that all the time yeah but in a situation like this, you can't have, you got to make it work. So maybe, maybe something like this, this jolt to the system will be what it takes to get rid of, you know, these perceived differences that we have. Going on. Well, well, we could, on, we could only hope, you know, there was a lot of things we thought would bring the country together, you know, after 9-11, after Hurricane Sandy. And sometimes it's worked, sometimes it's only worked for a short time. 
but we, we, it, it seems like we always seem to go back to our tribe, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue into uh, our discussion about From Good Homes and new music of North Jersey, because certainly that, key, that is a similarity in this tribe. Um, mm. I want to escort you through a journey and you, your experience with From Good Homes. That's the thing that kind of links us for sure. Railroad Earth these days as well, and Brady and Fitz, and they're all doing their music, and that's a good thing. I mean, that's been cool, right? The, the concerts from home. The, there's certainly some silver linings in this, this idea, you know, the, the necessity to bring your family together and, and prioritize those things so close to home and meals and just day-to-day -day activity. But then the music too, right? Like, oh, let's log on and see who's doing a live concert. Oh, the choices we have are endless, and the um, some of the webcasts we've seen have, have been have been fantastic. Sometimes the quality is hit or miss, and sometimes it's it's spot on. The, the best we've seen so far has been Fitz from Vermont. Somehow the signal, it was perfect. The audio, there was not, there, not one skipped the, the entire, about an like hour and a half he, he ran. That was so far my favorite. That and Todd Schaefer from uh, Culver Lake uh, on the 18th. So I'm definitely curious when you first intersected with From Good Homes, but also when I think about the From Good Homes movie, the music of the 90s, you know, like, eight, well, 80s, 80s and 90s. So talk about your interests growing up, what kind of music you're into, what it was like growing up there in, in uh, Fairlawn, you said, right? Yeah. And then when, you know, as much as you want about life there, we were just 20 minutes away over in Sussex County. So yeah, life growing up. And then when you bumped into From Good Homes and how music's been part of your journey. Okay. Well, I'll try to uh, condense a big story uh, pretty quickly. I grew up in a house where music was playing a lot. The earliest I can remember like loving music was I must have been I think about five years old, and my brother, who was like fifteen at the time, in the mid sixties, had a, a great collection of forty-five records. We had a uh, you know it was co big console TVs that had the the pull-out drawer with the turntable on top, and I would play his forty-fives constantly. A five-year-old kid probably scratched the hell out of it. Never, never barked a word. Never barked a word. Fast forward a few years in the uh, late '60s, early '70s. It was the beginning of the '50s revival, which was amazing. It started with Sean and I performing up in Woodstock, then it grew into the musical Grease, and later on, you know, as it waned a bit, George Lucas's American Graffiti, and that led to Happy Days, for, for better or worse. The 50s and early 60s music was constantly played. I, I would drive around and, and hear this constantly, and re I really love it. I still have a great, great love of uh, doo-wop music and, and, and roots rock and roll. As, as the 70s grew on, I still liked, you know, rock, but I wasn't like a headbanger rock. I actually liked kind of mellow rock. But in the mid-70s, when I started listening to Dylan, I think that was the biggest change. I, I dove into it, you know, head first. It really showed like the power of music, the power of words. And um, I mentioned I work for UPS. UPS is actually my second job. I started when I was really young, but but before that, I, I sold milk in a uh, dairy store, and I became real good friends and best friends with Chris Cahill. 
and in the late 70s, he was a uh, party DJ. And so at work, he would play these things called mixed tapes. I'm like, what, what's this? And he would make these cassettes out of, uh, you know, two turntables and, uh, and a mixer, you know. And I'm like, this is great. The music just goes right into each other. He goes, yeah. And so I learned how to do that as well and uh, developed a, a big love for it really learned how much fun it is to put two songs together. And so Homegrown was just like the natural continuation of that. I still stick to those themes, not all the time, um, but for the most part, I'll, I'll, I'll pick a topic. So instead of making that 90-minute tape, I'll do three and a half, four hours on, on one subject. So back in the day when you were, you were DJing, yeah? It's like yeah I, I, again I was a party DJ uh, spinning records and discs at big parties for 10 12 hours I yeah. think nothing of it then if you can recall what music was like in the 90s is this when you're talking about when you're DJing was it usually more uh, more, uh, more in the 80s actually yeah. if you can recall late 80s in North Jersey mm -hmm. what the music scene was like what concerts were like what parties were like what was it like for you musically can you recall that yeah, I grew up 10, 10 miles from New York, and I was also 15 minutes from the Meadowlands. So seeing concerts in the 80s was very easy. And I also lived only a couple minutes from the old Capitol Theater in Passaic. I got to see a lot of great shows then. And so um, the 80s, I guess, is when I, I saw you know, most of the you know, big arena shows. I've seen a lot of shows at the Garden, a lot of shows at the Meadowlands. If you wanted original music, all you had to do was hop in your car and a half hour and back then getting into the city, parking, everything was easy. You parked on the street. I thought nothing of it. If someone was playing uptown, someone was playing downtown, it was a piece of cake to get in, into New York and out. What we had in Bergen County for bars that had music, you had cover bands and that's all there was. You know, there really wasn't anything to speak of as far as an original music scene. I wound up moving to Northwest New Jersey. I got married in, in 1993. And with my company, uh, I'm able to transfer only within the union local. The first one that came up was for Mount Olive, New Jersey, a new a building we had just uh, opened up a couple of years earlier. So I just hopped on and said, yeah, well, why not? Let's, let's try it. And um, that was 1994 when I, when I moved out of the, you know, the tight suburbs up here to uh, a little house overlooking Lake Apacon, which was, was beautiful. Eventually, by 1996, when, uh, when we bought our house, it was on this pretty little lake right on the uh, Hampton-Stillwater border in, in Sussex County. When I moved out west, first thing I found I tune in and there's this station out from Hackettstown called the WNTI. And I'm listening to these Saturday shows. I, I, I knew a lot of the music, but it was stuff that you would never hear on the radio. And I'm like, this is, this is, actually, this is so fantastic. So a month after I uh, moved to Mount Arlington, Kath pulls out a, uh, an article from the, uh, I guess the Herald or the, whatever, the Morris County paper, I think it was the Herald, about this band that just got signed to RCA Records. They're not releasing anything on RCA, but they're releasing their own CD. 
and they're having a, a show to, to celebrate that at Waterloo Village. And this was uh, August of 94. And I had never, never heard of from Good Homes. So we go down to Waterloo Village, you know, where, where the tent was. And the only time I had been there was six years earlier. I had seen Bob Dylan play in, in, in the tent. So we, we go down to Waterloo and it's about 1,500 people in this the concert tent. And so uh, FGH comes out and they proceed to um, give us 33 songs and play for three hours, you know, about, about three, maybe a little over three hours. And I was absolutely floored by it. And I was just so taken back by how well the songs were written, the energy of the band, the musicianship was, was, was phenomenal. And I was just totally wowed by it. And uh, that grew into, uh, it was a band that it was really like love at first sight. play Waterloo every year for uh, for six years. They would play from 94 till uh, till their farewell show in uh, in 1999. I didn't get to see them until after that until uh, New Year's of 1994 where they played the uh, the basement of the George Inn in Vernon and uh, again another great show and uh, the next time we saw them was at the bottom line, when uh, they finally did release the uh, their album on RCA, Open Up the Sky. Yeah. And uh, after that, they, they gave us newsletters. You know, we, we, we would subscribe to the newsletter where they said they encouraged caping. I'm like, oh, really? That's, that's cool. At the time, I wasn't a taper. I had some PA equipment. 
So for the Waterloo show in 95, I went down there with a microphone stand and two, basically drum mics, two, two uh, Sure 57 mics. And I brought a home cassette recorder <laughs> with, with me. I dragged a home cassette recorder. And uh, early days of taping. Yeah, that was the first show I taped. I didn't know who Cal was, but the, I, I asked the guy behind the, uh, the board because I had a home cassette recorder. I'm like, is, is there any way I could get some power? <laughs> and he looked around, he goes, oh yeah, we could do that. And, <laughs> and just everyone, all like, wow, people are so nice, you know? Yeah. Never a hassle. And yeah. so that grew into my love of, uh, of uh, audio taping shows and uh, been blessed to see lots of them and uh, roll tape. Yeah. So if you could, maybe just to help, you know, as I think about doing this film, it's like trying to describe that North Jersey scene when From Good Homes were really peaking. So it, could you could you just like, so you said you saw them at Waterloo, then the Georgian, and then I guess when the RCA came out. But right. yeah, just talk, you had mentioned earlier about some of the other music. Oh, sure. Believe me, it wasn't, you know, limited to FGH through the radio we found that there was this incredible original music scene in Northwest New Jersey, which did not exist where I lived. And I was just floored by so many, so many great bands. Kings in the Skies were a real great band. then. Uh, within a year, the, uh, the first lineup of Swampadelica would, would come out. Um, Bobby Seibarth, who had been part of the road crew for FGH from the early days, uh, he started his own band as well. I can go on and on. I mean, uh, Tim Carbone still played gigs with Andy Gessling in, in Blue Sparks from Hell. They, they stopped doing their big touring, but they would still uh, play, especially holiday shows. They would play like Thanksgiving Eve, you know, somewhere or like, you know, the uh, Labor Day Sunday or something or things like that. And we, we found some, some great venues. Stanhope House was uh, uh, such a good place to go to. Crows and Sparta was, uh, was a lot of fun. The, uh, the Fountain House up in uh, Freedon, New Jersey, this, this old, you know, roadhouse. I mean, Stanhope House was a roadhouse, but the Fountain House was a real, real roadhouse with you know, when they would pack the place, you know, you'd, you'd feel like the floor bounce. I know Sheridan's was around for a long time, didn't go into any shows there, but found other great artists. Uh, Denny Tilton um, grew, grew to love uh, his music. To me, it was, a, um, it was more than just great musicians because the people who followed this, I grew to be friends with them lifelong friends and at least throughout the mid to late 90s we all liked so many artists but fgh was the core yeah that was the core band and that was you know what we felt as our band we saw them go on tour and followed like where they were going but anytime they would play in northwest new jersey do you you know you made it in fact when they would uh would play at Stanhope House to avoid the huge, huge crowds there, they would play under pseudonyms. 
Um, the most common was uh, they would play as the, the Jefferson Township. And uh, some of them were like, you know, topical when they, when a comet was going by, they were the, uh, the hail boppers and uh, up your Annie. And uh, my favorite was uh, Sergeant Phil McCracken and the Soldiers of Soul. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. You had mentioned your, your original turn and your musical taste, starting with Bob Dylan and then Tapestry, that you like the stories and the, and the cohesiveness of songs. I always try to think about when From Good Homes were coming up and all these bands, but you know, From mm -hmm. Good Homes in particular, and the influence that created this music, you know? So if you could think about that a little bit, like the geographic location, right? An hour west of New York City, the time frame, and then maybe the historical time frame, you know, because there was Wall Street was just going nuts in, in New York City. It was the 80s, right? So do you ever think about what maybe what it was that uh, created that musical scene in North Jersey? Um, I think it was like the right distance. Growing up close to New York City, there, there was no original music scene because the original music scene was New York City. And Sussex County or, or in the, the surrounding areas, uh, North Warren and, and Western Morris, was just far enough away from New York to where you could still go and see shows in the city, but it was, it was more work. Yeah. It was more work. And I think it, it was just like the right, the right distance away. You know, if you lived in, once I moved to Sussex County, I realized to do anything, you're gonna have to drive a while. To get a quart of milk, you're gonna have to drive a while. <laughs> you know, and so going 20 minutes, a half hour, even 40 minutes to go from one part of the county to the other to see a show, you didn't, even, you didn't even think twice about it. But I think it was just, as far as why it worked up there, I think it was like the, the right distance away from New York without being too rural. Yeah. You know, we, where I lived out in, in Hampton Township, we didn't call it suburbs, we didn't call it country. We, we jokingly referred to it as sub-country. You know, <laughs> like you had woods next to you, but you also had neighbors by you too. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was nice. Yeah, things were a little, little more spread out. And um, I think that was like the right combination that there was enough distance from New York to make it, you know, worthwhile having it, but there was enough people to support the scene and FGH had the following. Yeah. And what about, I mean, the songs, I mean, Todd's just a good songwriter. I mean, they're all, they all co-write and collaborate. And, uh, but the, what do you think it was culturally that was kind of motivating the type of songs that they played and the messages and, and what is it that, that attracted you to it? Like what this, what the songs were about perhaps. It took me a while to figure out where it really came from because I knew the band first before I knew the musicians. And, you know, later on finding out, okay, where they grew up, the situations, um, where they went to school, where they went to college and what they studied in college, you know, like, okay, this makes more sense to, to, to find Todd went to Columbia and he was an English lit major. I'm like, okay, that makes a lot more sense now because I'm like, how is a guy from from Sparta 
able to write such profound lyrics. And I was taken aback by it that, you know, it, it, it really amazed me. You know, I didn't really compare him to, oh, he's the next this or, he, you know, he's this or that or even, even FGH's style. You know, to me, it was, it, I saw an original style. A lot of people compared it to um, 80s Waterboys uh, music, the, the Mike Scott, you know, uh, bands. And I didn't really know the Waterboys then. Once I found them out, I'm like, okay, I could see the, the, the similarities. Yeah. Um, but for me, what impressed me was that it, they didn't sound like anybody else. They played acoustic instruments, but they had enough pedals, you know, at their feet to where they could make those guitars sound pretty much the way they wanted it to. They wanted to go electric on me. They could do it. Yeah. And that, that impressed me a great deal. Yeah. Uh, did you ever, were you ever aware of Todd's uh, experience with Jack Hardy? No, that, that was something, again, I, I learned later on. Yeah. You know, it all kind of came in bits and pieces. Yeah even learning family histories, good and bad. I would hear songs and go, yeah, I know what that's about, you know. And, uh, you know, sometimes I get very emotional about it because I could, you know, almost put myself in that same type of situation. It, it, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, we could talk about, like, you know, the end of them and From Good Homes and maybe kind of like that journey. There's certainly you know, moving up to the reunion and then even the music now. What's on your mind right now when you think about, you know, your experience with From Good Homes? Well, um, when they decided to call it quits in, in 99, of course, everyone was like myself. You know, a lot of people were, were discouraged uh, about it and, and feeling down. But I really knew that things would happen from then and we we were we were hoping other bands would would pick up the torch and run with it and a lot of bands did uh well at least a few bands did bobby Seibarth combo put out some real good music and and did some real good live shows swampadelica after the uh the illness of their harp player they reformed with a sax player to uh put out some great great shows and great albums Interestingly, when I would chat with Kath, Kath, my, my ex-wife, we would say, if you had to put your band together, she would ask me, who would you want in that band out of all the musicians? And um, I had picked Todd, of course. And the bass player was Bobby Seibart's bass player, this left-handed bass player named Jai Dillon, who would, would eventually move down to Texas. He was a, a master uh, a bass player. Nothing against Brady, but he, he Jai, Jai was was uh, my favorite. Um, the band had had Tim Carbone in it. The band had Andy Gessling in it. Yeah. And the drummer for me was Bill Miller back then. So to see two years later the new amalgam of the best of North Jersey, to where uh, Railroad came in with Todd, Tim, Andy, John Skeen. And uh, Bobby's, not his drummer, but his conga player. Carrie Harmon was, was Bobby's conga player. So it was nice to see all these musicians that we've seen a multitude of times in other bands come to form Railroad. They became the band right away. And luckily I was able to see some of the 
real early shows and, and hop aboard the train, you know, kind of early. Yeah, what were the what were the first you heard of that? What were the first early shows of Railroad? The first time I heard about them playing was uh, I was driving a UPS truck in Hackenstown. Then Main Street of Hackenstown was uh, was where I spent uh, a good deal of my day. Yeah. And so um, this woman there, Hutchinson, said, "You know, I saw I saw these uh, Todd and Timmy play with uh, up at the Fountain House." And it was called Railroad Earth. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I, I, I missed the first show they played, but they got together a couple of weeks ago. And, and technically, they, they weren't still a band then. These were, uh, you know, officially considered public rehearsals. Uh-huh. And so March 25th, March 25th of 2001 was the, uh, the first time I saw the, um, the first lineup of, of Railroad Earth. Then uh, was that at the Fountain House? Or? That was at the Fountain House in Freedom. The official debut was at uh, Stanhope House in uh, May of 2001, I think May 2nd. And then again, it was, you, you got the feeling that you had the first time I saw From Good Homes was that this is something new and, it, and it's ours. This is our music, as I always felt about FGH. And the first couple of years were a lot, were a lot, a lot of fun. Fortunately or unfortunately, it became a victim of their success to where Railroad became so successful over the next few years that they actually outgrew the venues in Northwest New Jersey. And so to see them, you had to travel a little further then. Very, very happy for them. But at the same time, it was a little bittersweet. Let's yeah. see. Wait a minute! You can't go on tour. You're supposed to. <laughs> you're our band. You're supposed to stay here. So what? Uh, how would you describe the music scene up in North Jersey now? I mean, these guys play all around in different configurations, and a lot of the names you mentioned are still around in various forms. Is it still happening up there to the same yeah. extent? Well, I focused in on on what what Todd did after FGH, and of course his his, his solo stuff in those interim two years was really remarkable as well. But to see what the other musicians did since their farewell was was amazing. My wife was pregnant with our daughter when uh, FGH had their farewell show. And Brady had already started doing his kids' music. You know, his music was playing in the delivery room when my daughter was born. And what was great about Brady's music was that each album followed the progression of his kids. They're starting out as infants. The next album was, you know, you know, look at my belly, you know, and you know, every day's a birthday. So my daughter got to grow up with music that followed her growing up. And that was remarkable. Um, after um, seeing Patrick perform, I, I always knew him as a drummer, but then, at a show at Stanhope, I'd seen him perform his own songs, and I was knocked out by it. When he released his uh, first solo album, the, the Changing, in 2001, was really one of the great, great shows that I remember, because everyone played on it. All the FGH, Todd was there, but he didn't play, but all the FGH members played, John Skeen played. It was so, so much fun, and his solo career i'm really really happy with the the direction it's it's followed you know the path he's followed you know, even living up in vermont 
you know, he still is able to make it down and uh, gets still get to see him. His um, songs are just so sweet and they're, you know, they're so honest. Again, when he plays, he surrounds himself with, with great musicians as well. So a Patrick show is always a, a lot of fun. Dan, it was great to see him going. Again, we just knew him as the as the sax player from from FGH, but he's uh, had a uh, a great run as a uh, music producer and a uh, music director. His uh, wife Monica runs a uh, a real big school uh, for artistic kids, uh, celebrate the children, and Dan used his music to connect with kids who would have like tough time connecting otherwise and that was uh, really really nice to see my, when my daughter was young she would volunteer at the school and uh, it was really interesting to see the the approach that they take yes so I guess you get out to the uh, reunion shows that's where we met of course so you've been doing that ever since the Wellmont yes since the reunion i've been able to see them uh 29 times all of the wellmont shows and i think all of the newton shows i at one time i think they played uh, friday saturday and added a sunday i didn't see a sunday so that, that that's my day with my daughter but yes the newton shows we see the you know anytime they're close by and uh it's doable yeah we we've, we've met that and uh on a personal note, it was uh, in 2010 when they played up in Tuxedo, New York, as part of the, the Mighty High Festival. Yeah. I went up there and uh, the Mighty High people gave uh, the homegrown a, uh, a tent to set up. We, we would help promote the festival and they would reciprocate by letting us uh, set, up, set up a, uh, a booth up there. And uh, I saw a woman come by to say hi with, to a, a fellow DJ. And later on, during uh, the next day, when during FGH, I heard the first few notes to uh, Rain Dance. I asked this woman if she liked to dance. She said, okay. And so uh, not knowing that it was her favorite song. So that's how it all started. And that was almost 10 years ago. Next next month will be 10 years, and uh, it blossomed into a, a romance from uh, FGH. True that's, story. That's fantastic, man. I yep. had no idea. That's beautiful. Yep, and it was, uh, and it was instant. Yeah. It was, it was instant, and, uh, you know, the, the, the first time I hugged her when we danced, it felt like home. Oh. And uh, now I get to uh, share, share our life, you know, with... Uh, Someone I love, thanks to FGH. Yeah, that's fantastic. They're gonna make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, enough of that. Enough of that. <laughs> well, cool, man. Um, anything else? I kind of want to. We'll we'll kind of wrap. Maybe just talk a little bit more about uh, okay. modern day, current day. Uh, anything else before we do that about from good homes? I mean, it, yeah, I think you just shared the best story. Yeah, that was really beautiful, and it's fun seeing them together a few times a year. Hopefully, when uh, when this craziness dies down, all of us are all hankering for some uh, big, big, you know, we need to exhale in a big way. We're not holding our breath when, when, it, hap when it happens, it happens. The last show we saw, I think, was in... Um, early March when we saw um, 
Todd Schaefer play a house concert up in Vernon. We had a good run going and we had this beautiful, enormous schedule for this year. But hey, what are you going to do? You know, we'll be in states more important and we'll uh, we'll get through it. But man, are we, we, we just dying to get back together and, you know, really celebrate life. I think uh, we're all going to take a lot away from from this, and uh, hopefully we'll realize, you know, what's what's really important and what really matters. You know, a lot of a lot of different things matter to different people, but the family, friends, and music—that's <laughs> it. Cool, man. Well, it was so nice spending a little bit of time with you. Oh, thanks, Beck. It's been a lot of fun. Well, listening to the show, Fridays you do your shows? Tapestry Show is from 3 to 7 on the Eastern time zone, homegrownradionj.org. Well, thank you so much. We'll uh, we'll be in touch. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Take care. Trouble. Wanna heal the trouble? Yeah, it's gonna be okay.